Are you new to investing? Wondering whether or not you can self-manage your properties? Let us tell you about our partner, RentReady. RentReady is an awesome property management software that can help you grow and handle every aspect of your real estate investing business. Rent collection, tenant screening, maintenance, lease signing, listing. Honestly, RentReady has everything. One of the best features is their new tenant software, Latchel, where you're able to remove yourself as the landlord from being the middleman between tenants and maintenance calls. And it's also essentially a fraction of the cost of what you would pay for property management. Let me also mention that RentReady is unlimited. All their plans are flat price. This means you can keep adding properties to your portfolio without having to pay more. You can close on all the properties you want and RentReady's price stays the same. Best part about it is for you guys is they've given us an amazing deal to pass on to all Weekly Juice listeners. You can get 50% off any RentReady plan at rentready.com when you use our code JUICEPOD. That's rentready.com, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code JUICEPOD, J-U-I-C-E-P-O-D, and you'll get 50% off any plan. If this is your first time here, welcome. During our shows, we interview successful entrepreneurs and investors to spread knowledge, advice, and actionable tactics to help others in the pursuit of financial freedom. We discuss successes, failures, systems, motivations, experiences, and key lessons learned along the way in the hopes that these stories help you along your journey. Tune in every Wednesday to get your weekly juice. If you've been here before and like what you've been hearing, please subscribe, share with friends, rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That goes an extremely long way for us. It's simple. Just click on your podcast app, type in our podcast name, The Weekly Juice, click on the reviews and let us know what you think. The more ratings we get, the more eyes we'll get in our show and in turn, we'll be able to provide you all with high quality guests. You can also find us on Instagram at Weekly Juice Pod for daily content and personal finance tips to assist in your journey towards financial freedom. Welcome back to the Weekly Juice. As always, Ryan and Corey here with another episode for you. Today we have on special guest, Jarrett Remington. He is a Chicago realtor and investor. He has he has a 16 unit that he owns. He has a duplex where he's house hacking. And then he also has a 14 unit under okay. contract right now. Um, he's, he does these deals with partners, but... Um, Throughout the episode, Jarrett really dives in on the benefits of being a realtor and like how it impacts his investing life. Oh, forgot to mention, he sold 30, 30 homes this year as a realtor in half the year. He's crushing it. He's so that's it. that's part of it. He's killing it. He has he he earns a high income, so he's able to to you know essentially fork up some dough here for properties. But he also does use his network to to jump in on deals with him. Um, we caveat here, this episode will be a part one. Um, Jared had to, to run for, for business and we, you know, the second half of the episode, we're going to walk you through um, an update on our renovation and potential future deals that were, that were just a portfolio around. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Portfolio update. I think people are interested to hear our single family renovation and kind of like what's next for us in our portfolio, how things are going, timing, uh, pricing, how, th- you know, what types of renovations we're doing. Uh, if we didn't share enough in the end, feel free to DM us and we'll talk about whatever we're, we're happy to help, but we're supposed to have renters in there in the next couple of weeks. So we'll be uh, moving on to the next one. Cool. Hope you enjoy the episode. Let's bring in Jarrett. Let's go. Jarrett, officially welcome to the weekly juice. Corey and I are thrilled to have you. Um, we've been talking back and forth on Instagram for a couple of weeks now, and you seem to have a wealth of knowledge. You're doing a lot of things, investing in a lot of different spaces. And uh, we're just thrilled to share some of your knowledge with our listeners. So, um, if you could give a little background on yourself, who you are, where you're from, and how you got into real estate. 
Sure, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, so I'm Jared. I'm Jared out of uh, Chicago, 28 years old. Uh, went to Illinois State University. Kind of grew, you know, grew up in the corporate ladder, uh, and uh, started in real estate. Um, pretty much when I was in the in the corporate ladder, I was working with builders, architects out in the industry. Was selling uh, fiber cement siding, which is called James Hardy siding, and um, one of my colleagues, uh, Eli, who's my mentor and my team lead, he essentially jumped ship. He was doing it on the side, right? And, uh, jump shipped. And he's like, Hey Jared, like I need help scaling. Like I know you can take these clients for me and really scale the business to the next level. Right. And he was doing about 19 million that year. And so when we came on, we did about 36 million last year. And then this year we've done 41 million so far, our projections to do 60 mil. Um, and then on the side with my, my, my uh, partners, uh, you know, another partners on the, with other businesses, uh, I own a 16 unit in Indiana. And then I bought a two unit that's fully rehabbed, which you can see behind me uh, last summer as well. And then we're under contract for a 14 unit uh, closing uh, August 31st. So that's like high level about me. So, yeah. So, Jared, I, I, I'm, what I'm cur really curious about is why real estate? So you have a real estate gig being a realtor and an investor. So what was it about real estate in general? Was it something in your family? Or if you could just elaborate there, that'd be awesome. Sure. I think, um, I mean, sales in my family has always been a big thing. You know, startups has been been massive. My, my cousin was the 27th employee of Uber and got to kind of semi-retire, you know, at like 31. He's now working at a company called GoPuff. So just watching him has been huge. Also just watching my dad on that daily grind handling national accounts. And then I just kept seeing my friends like out there trying to get rental properties in Chicago and rent, you know, these real estate agents were just kind of like flaky on them. And I just felt like it'd be better. Like I, I felt like I could serve a bigger purpose um, and really take what I learned in the corporate world and, you know, be organized and bring a better product, right? And help people out there that are in need and also just need to find a place to live. And then from the, you know, investment standpoint, I mean, I think just buying properties, like one of the prop the 16 unit we bought, I mean, the owner was literally living in Toronto. These units didn't have showers in them. These people are taking baths. And I'm just like, you know, I, I kind of blew up. I grew up in kind of like a blue collar, white collar kind of scenario. Like we were on food stamps and stuff like at one point and, you know, just seeing these people, like you feel for them. Like it's a bigger, it's a bigger thing than just me and my partners. Like it's giving back to that local community and giving them a better place to live when, well, not really increasing the rents at all. And I think that's the niche we're, we're filling and it's, it's been really successful in both businesses so far. Great. That's awesome. I think we want to touch sp specifically first on your realtor business and because clearly you haven't got, you haven't been into this that long, but you're absolutely killing it. And I think that yeah. a lot of investors think they need to be realtors and the answer is they definitely don't, but it could potentially help. So I'm, I'm curious about like maybe some of the benefits that you see being an investor and being a realtor, maybe besides the fact that you can make commission on your own deals, but like yeah. what else, what else do you see as a benefit? Oh guys, I mean, when I was buying that 16 unit before I had my license, I was scared. Like, like any new investor, like it's a big building, right? We went straight to a 16 unit. I like, I had no properties before that. So I was like, everything I was just questioning, double questioning, triple questioning. Now making this offer on the 14 unit and like having my license and doing all these deals myself in Illinois, I understand exactly what the real estate agent's going through out of, out of state. 
Not only that, but I can also get uh, 25% of her commission back to me, which I can invest back into the property. And we talk the same lingo. And it's crazy, like, you know, being able to have that conversation with that agent out of state, you know, in Indiana, and really know exactly what she's going through, what the inspector's going through, and just being able to relate to all of those people on that level. And they respect that no matter where you are, like that real estate agent life, they, they just know, they know the grind. So, and the grit, I mean, if you guys have, have read, read grit, the book grit, which we'll t- I can talk about later with you guys, but great book. Yeah. Angela out. Duckworth, I believe, right. She's the one that wrote that. That's a good book. Yeah. Can you talk about, so I've been listening to a couple of different podcasts and, and reading about this specifically of like, is it worth getting your license and being an investor. And I know you, you kind of said yes, because you understand the steps of the process, but financially, right? Like, do you think you have to be doing a ton of deals in order to have that like pay for itself? Essentially, I guess my, my bigger question is like, how much is it to keep up your license per year and keep it going? Like, would someone be able to do this on the side plus have a W2 and invest? Absolutely. hundred percent. It's, it's, if you'd be shocked when I got my license, right. There was probably 40 people in there maybe five of them are successful right now. And out of the 40, I was the only one who applied for a scholarship, which was free to do. Okay. Got it fully paid for, for the class. No one even knew about it. I ended up telling the class three more people got it. I was the only one who made a a budget before I took the class, knowing exactly what my expenses were going to be before I got, became an agent. So like you need to it really literally just go on score.org, you know, get a mentor. It's free to do. I don't know if you guys have heard of that website, get a free mentor. They've got budgets on there, create a little budget for yourself. Be like, Hey, I've got to spend three grand this year on my expenses. Okay. I've got to do one to two deals. I mean, a rental deal in Chicago is like a thousand bucks after taxes, you're going to make like $500. So you got to do a couple of rental deals. You'll be able to do it. Like you'll be able to do it. I mean, you can break even. It, it's really, you, you do, you load up at nighttime, you load up on the weekends on showings and just, if you have a W2 and just grind, you can do it. Cool, cool. I I think that there's a lot of talk about off-market deals and like for investors, they feel like maybe that's the better way to go uh, in terms of trying to find deals, right? Maybe not for the less experienced ones, but for the more experienced ones. Can you just dive into maybe why you feel that it, it benefits investors to actually work with a realtor. Maybe some of the value you feel like you may bring investors who are looking for properties specifically in your market. I mean, for sure. I mean, here, the biggest thing is, right? Like you're only going to see X amount of properties on like Zillow. Zillow's the big fish out there. Right. And then Redfin as well. If you go Redfin option, you're going to get an agent that you're never going to meet. You're, you're, every time you go see a property, it's going to be a new person that has no idea about that property at all. They don't know who you are. They don't know what your goals are, what your wants, what your needs. They haven't done a buyer consultation with you. So that's Redfin. Zillow, on the other hand, is going to have everything that's out there. Some of the stuff that comes on there is already sold because it's on, like in Chicago, for example, we have a website called Top Agent Network. And Top Agent Network's for the top 1,500 agents. There's 25,000 agents in Illinois, like in the Chicago land alone. So the top 1500 get that. And then also just taking like classes on, you know, how to set up off market searches on the MLS. That's another route. And then also just networking. Like if you're a top agent, all the top agents know each other. Hey, do you have this coming up? Do you have this in this market? People want to do deals at the end of the day with people who they know are going to get the deal done and to the finish line. If you're not going to get to the finish line, they don't want to work with you. doesn't matter if your offer's 
you know, $2,000, $3,000 more, they're going to swing it the other way. It's just what it is. Good advice. Yeah, it's great advice. I think that we have relationships with realtors here in Philadelphia, New Jersey area. And like, they're not only like brokering the deal, right. But they're helping us out with who, what contractors do they know? You know, what, what's the best title company to use, right? What's the best mortgage lender? Who's going to get us the best rates? So I think that for investors out there speaking to kind of everybody, there's more to this game than just saying, Oh, I'm going to search for off market deals because we bought off market deals. And I'll tell you what, it's a lot harder to do without a realtor. So I, I appreciate the, the grind that you're going through and, and the notion that like you, you're doing both. So you kind of know both games, which I think is really cool. How, do, how would you recommend an investor finds a good realtor or an investor-friendly realtor that has their back and will put in the work to get it across the finish line, give them yeah. all the resources that they have? hundred percent. I mean, first and foremost, do your research. Look at their social media accounts. Are they active on it? you know, look at, uh, look at their website, call them, ask them questions. Do they have experience with uh, commercial properties? Do they have experience with, with multi-units, et cetera. And then, you know what, if you're investing out of market, I mean, go have two agents run the MLS for you for searches. You know what I mean? And test them, see like, Hey, I want to see this property. I want to see this property, see what their communication strategy is like with you. Cause you don't want an agent who's slow at responding. You know what I mean? Like for example, the building we're buying this, this 14 unit, we called this one agent, set us up on the MLS. He didn't respond for four days, apologize. That's not the kind of operation we run. I need you to respond the same day. I mean, that's it. And it ended up working out and she's been a killer for us. I mean, absolute killer. So you'll know, I mean, definitely set up some questions. It's to be scalable in business. You need to have a standard operating procedure in place. Set up your systems, question them, do your research and you'll know. You'll know when you find a good agent. That's also good advice because I find that this, I, Ryan and I have W2 jobs. We work in several different types of businesses. There is not a business that I know of that moves as fast as real estate. And I don't know if that's maybe just the way I feel about it because I'm an investor. But like if we have an offer that's put in, we need somebody who's going to be on the ball and you know, we're not expecting people to respond at 3 a.m. or anything like crazy, but like there are some people that are hustling out there and like the early bird gets the worm in this business. And like, that's just how it is. So I think that's, um, that's also good advice. No one's too, anybody that's too busy just hasn't, they're, they're happy being like, like at, you know, 10 million, 10 million, 10 million, 10 million, which is totally fine. They're good earning a six figure paycheck, but if you want to scale and you want to like for us, us scaling isn't about us, you know, making more money, right? It's also about bringing that quality to more people, bringing that service to more people and having that work-life balance, right? We're on call 24 seven. I mean, it is what it is. We're, psychi- we're, we're psychiatrists, we're, we're, we're doctors, we're freaking lawyers, we're everything to these people, right? We're pointing them in all these directions, but at the same time, we also have families, right? Like I have a wife, like one day I'll have kids and you need to make sure that she has clear line of sight of what we're trying to accomplish, what times, you know, what time are we spending together? Like, what does our schedule look like today? Like we're going to the gym later. We're having dinners on Friday. You can't lose track of that either because there's some real estate agents that get really big and they talk about like their wife and kids. Like, it's just like, a, like an employee, like they don't have time for them. You need to, you need to have, you need to have work-life balance still too. You know what I mean? But you need to have those systems in place again. So how do you, how would you recommend someone sets that up? Cause it kind of goes back to you saying like, Hey, listen, like we work 24 hours a day or like we're super busy and I know you have a bunch of different things going on. Like how do you manage multiple different 
avenues and income streams and businesses as well as your family life? Do you have a, an actual schedule that you stick to as well, like a personal schedule and a business schedule? And kind of just walk us through that because I think a lot of people are wondering like, how can someone do all these things with only 24 hours in a day? Sure. I mean, so my wife has full line of sight to my calendar at all times, right? Like we know we have dinners every Friday. She knows, you know, I go to the office Tuesday, Thursday. She knows, you know, the, the times I go to the gym, I put it in there. It's, it's, it's scheduled. Okay. I'm also a part of a, a group. It's there's 800 agents called the hashtag 6AMers like crew and Tuesday, Thursday morning, we have a call every morning. I wake up at 6am and know exactly what I'm doing. Meditation, 10 minutes, read 10 minutes. Okay. I know exactly what I'm doing every morning and she knows exactly what I'm doing every morning. And it's not only to better our like relationship, but also to better ourselves. And you know, it, it correlates to my business. Also guys hire, you can't do it. You can't do everything, right? Like having an accountant on retainer, I pay 230 bucks a month. Like when I realized I had to get an accountant that's going to cost me $2,300 a year, I was like, holy cow. Like that was big for me. I'm like, you know, that's a big expense for me. Like I'm in my twenties. I thought that was crazy. I talked to my mentors, like that's who you got to do. You know, you don't have time to mow the lawn, pay the $20, like pay the $20, have someone mow your lawn. Cause that will give you more time to scale your businesses, right? You're helping other people. And you're scaling your businesses. And then it gives you more time to be with your family. Work-life balance. I, I like your take on it where it's like, listen, if it's important to you, you'll make it happen, right? And I want to transition over to you. Like I know two things here. One, I know your weekends must, you're only you're only 28, but I remember when I, that's two years back for me and I'm still, I'm in a similar position, but like there's still a lot of things that pop up with family on the weekends and things. And like, how are you picking and choosing when to do business and also spend time with family. Because I think that's a big, big factor for people like, Hey, listen, like I want to do something like this, but I can't give up every Friday, Saturday, or every Saturday, Sunday. I know they might not be as driven as you. And you're just going to say, Hey, you got to do it. But I'd like your take just to hear where you're at. Yeah. I mean, I think definitely like setting, like all my friends and like my close friends understand like what I'm doing so they know, like we schedule a lot of stuff way in advance. Like it's crazy. Like, you know, scheduling, you know, dinner dates with like friends that we haven't seen in a long time, you know, a month ahead, et cetera. Um, also, you know, ha making sure that, you know, I do open, I know that I'm going to do an open house like Saturday morning, Sunday morning, if I have time and showings are usually in the morning on the weekends. So most of the stuff I try to schedule is at night on the weekends, um, when I'm not doing showings. Right. So, it, it, it works out over time. Your, 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 your life essentially molds to, to what you're doing at work. So it just all works out at the beginning. Obviously there's pain points. Like, like my wife was like, why are you working on the weekends? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm at an open house. Like, you want to come see me? I'm sitting there. So she gets it. And then she also, you know, over time, as she saw that I, I go to open houses, like the buyer consultation I have after this call, I met the girl on Saturday I said, how's your real estate agent doing? She said, this is my third one. I said, hey, you know what? I bet I will crush it for you. I'll cover your inspection costs, leave your agent, and I will kill it for you and we'll go find you a home. And she's like, done. That's so, awesome. you know, you got to do what you got to do, man. You do. Cool. I appreciate that. So let's get into the fun side about being a realtor. Can you talk about how you guys get paid? And, you know, I've heard... 6% here, but I'm, I'm curious about the actual process of you getting that check and like how, uh, how that all works. hundred percent. So essentially after closing, we, we get a master statement that goes to the buyer and seller side. Okay. 
And then from there, uh, my director of operations, Percy, who shout out Percy is the best in the business. Um, we brought him onto our team full time. He's a W2 employee. And he essentially will submit everything into a, a program called SkySlope that Compass uses. From there, the finance team either waits for the check or they have the check already, depending on for the buyer sell side. They then take that check, they process it, and they pay it out, right? So essentially, uh, each team, based off of volume and, and their negotiation with Compass or whatever brokerage they work for, will get a split, they call it, okay? So there's gross commission income, so that's all the commission you, you get, okay? So like, we literally have monthly calls where all the teams are ranked. And we're trying to be at the top, right? Some of these, some of these groups, like if you like watch like million dollar listing, they're doing like one, $2 million GCI, you know, that's huge money, right? Um, so from there, the higher the GCI you have, usually the more power you have to negotiate with your brokerage based off your split. So let's say we have like a $500,000 deal, right? And then we have to pay Compass, let's say miscellaneous fees, but you, let's say you have to pay them 10%, you get to keep 90%, okay? So then from there, you keep the 90% of the 500,000, okay? And so let's say that's like $12,000. And then what most agents forget, new agents forget to do is take the money, 25%, 30%, whatever, put in another bank account for taxes. And whatever's left over at the end of the year, if you don't put in a SEP IRA, that's a bonus for you. Go to the Maldives, which I know you guys want to go to the Maldives. Go to the Maldives. <laughs> whatever listening guys, to the show. That's I great. listen to every show, guys. You guys are the best. <laughs> So whatever you want to do with that money, go. Okay. Like, but essentially that's how you get paid now for the 6%, depending on the 5% to 6% is the going range right now. Now, if you're a really good agent, like we're starting to charge 6%. Sometimes we give cuts to people if like they're, if they're selling and buying with us or if they're a close friend, stuff like that. Um, and then from there, the buying agent will always get 2.5, okay? And then the selling agent will usually could get like three, could get 3.5, which is pretty crazy. So, uh, or you could do, I had a dual agency, one where I represented the seller and I represented the buyer and I got both sides. So it was sweet, it. right? So Yeah, we've had our pay. realtor um, represent the buyer and the seller. He had a relationship with the seller, one of the deals that we've done. So um, he, he took a cut from that 6%, I think down to four or something to kind of just like make the deal work. And that's kind of the, the beauty of being in, in that position where you have some control and you have some leverage and you're saying, well, I want to help both you guys out and make, and make it work for, for everyone in the deal. So I think that's awesome. Rise another question. I have here. two more quick ones before we get into your yeah. investment portfolio, but um, I know you work with Compass and I actually have a, a big client that is a realtor with uh, Compass too. And out here in Pennsylvania, she works in luxury, luxury homes. She's sure. doing a killing. She, she was talking, she, I called her when she was on Nantucket and a $30,000 check dropped into her bank account and she had to pay her bill with us and did it very quickly and uh, didn't hesitate. Yep. So yep. Um, it was just cool to hear that story. And I know that uh, I think you said you just got Compass just got its IPO and it's amazing to like market, right? Like I'm curious of how you get, how does a realtor get new clients and what software are you guys using to get your name out there aside from like social media? Um, that's sure. one of the questions. And then I know we also talked about the weekend work again, right? Like, is there a way maybe with COVID or like, has there been a little bit more freedom for you guys to do deals over with technology, right? I'm just wondering if it's a new age here. So first part marketing, right? So Compass is like taking over the market nationwide, right? That's why they just went IPO. Robert Refkin, who just came out of the book, highly, I'll, highly, I'll show it to you at the end, but highly recommend reading that. His, his like the reason he started Compass is culture, right? And then also technology. So 
inside of Compass's platform, we essentially have, if you guys are familiar with Canva, they developed their own Canva, okay? You literally can plug and play, you can make videos, you can make newsletters they make for you. Like you can literally take so, there's so much stuff in the marketing center on Compass and on the back back end, it's incredible. So that's one portion of it. Another one is like your CRM tool. So we bought a company and we have our own CRM tool. So drip campaigns. So I'm a huge proponent of CRM, you know, setting weekly tasks, quarterly tasks. Like, how do you think we follow up with all these people? Like a lot of agents don't have it. The biggest thing too is, is staying up with your CRM system and making sure you're keeping track of all of your leads that are coming in. From there, like I'll put them in a, a, a lead category. They have a lead section inside of the CRM tool. And then we have a business tracker, which shows me like initial contract, contact nurturing, under contract paid, et cetera. So I have all of that there. So I know how much I have in my funnel, it's called, right? You guys are, I think you guys are in sales too. So you yep. understand that. Another thing is, you know, you can get really caught up in marketing. Okay. Like there's a lot of avenues that you can go and get leads from that are a waste of your spend. So you really need to AB test it. We like to do on my team is do three month testing. And if we're not seeing an ROI, we cut it, we give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Okay. Like example, a guy put an American flag on every single house down the street with a little tag on it. I don't know if that worked. Maybe it does. I don't know. I don't do that because it's not scalable. Right. So I invested back in December in Zillow because I really needed to push my business to the next level. And it was a big investment. And the day after I signed it, I looked at my wife. I'm like, we're doing this thing. Went to an open house, got a $686,000 condo, and it paid for Zillow for the whole year. Okay. So I was like, well, at this point, let's do it. And you know what? I forexed my business. My conversion rate's almost 30% on Zillow, and I'm crushing it in my zip. So that's, that's how I've done it. Uh, but there's a lot of people who are doing it other ways. And then I think the biggest thing too is man, relationship based, uh, is huge. You know, sending, like if someone has like a birthday coming up, stay on top of that, send your Christmas cards, monthly newsletters, do that stuff, you know, stay organized. Um, and then what was the second portion of your question? Um, just working remote, right? Like you talked about a lot of um, a lot of showings, yeah. and I'm wondering if you've been able to do some of those on Zoom. I know that's kind of sketchy because the people want to probably tour the property inside, but yeah, for sure. I mean, we have international. I have international clients and out-of-state clients. So you know, my wife, who's also my secretary, will come with me. She'll have an AirPod in. I'll have an AirPod in. She'll have my camera and she'll follow me through. You know, these properties. That's one thing. Another thing that's cut down on time is buyer consultations. Right? We can do those via Zoom. We don't have to go to the office sit down, talk about it, you know, go through that whole presentation. I can stay in my house and do it like I'm talking with you guys. And then also closings. We don't have to go to closings anymore, which would take like an hour to two hours of our time. Fridays would be completely just closings, right? You don't have to do any of that anymore. Um, so yeah, I think uh, virtual is here to stay and and also people out the way they search, like, you know, 3D Matterport, like being able to walk through the property, you know, having uh, virtual staging, which if you guys ever need a virtual stage or anything, I've got a guy in China for like 15 bucks. He does insane work per photo. Like that's cool. big stuff you got to do. That's so, huge. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's, first of all, it's, it's great to just kind of dive into the, your world and, and becoming a realtor and, and forexing your business, like you said. And I want to kind of transition into the real estate investment portion, because what you're doing is you're parlaying the two. You're making a significant amount of income doing, being a, a real estate agent, which is great. You save up this money. And then what do you do with the money? Right. And you're buying real estate. So like what, 
what does your portfolio look like now? And what are some, maybe some just like steps of how you scaled and got to where you are? Sure. So my portfolio right now is I have 18 apartments. Two of them are mine and my wife's. Um, I live in a duplex down here and then I rent out the upstairs unit. And then I've got a 16 unit in Indiana with, with a, a partner and a silent partner as well. Um, and essentially, you know, scaling the business over time, um, definitely just learning, reading, listening to podcasts and just trial and error guys, like just not hesitating, getting out there and, and doing it. Right. So, um, that's been huge for us. And I think, uh, you know, that's how we're now investing in, in Southern Indiana as well. Got it. What about Southern Indiana? So you live in, you live in Chicago, right? Yeah. Okay. So what was it about Southern Indiana? What drew you to that market? And then like, can you just talk about how you qualified, like where you felt like it was a good place to invest? Sure. So there's Chicago and like Wisconsin, for example, surrounding States, they're very landlord friendly, Iowa and Indiana, Indiana specifically is about $125 to evict someone. If you do have someone that, that essentially is squatting it's called. And then from there, there, they can be removed in 30 days. Okay. In Illinois, that could take up to six months. So, uh, essentially that is, uh, that's, you know, that's a long time to, to essentially keep your money, you know, that could kill your business. Yeah. Kill your business. So, so that's a big like mitigation of risk factor for you where you're saying like, where is the place that allows my business to flourish the most? It's, this is not rocket science. I'm going to go take my business there. Essentially. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. So I think also looking at, you know, we analyze, like you guys have heard on the website, we look at rental meter, we look at properties. Uh, we read a lot about, about the individual towns. So if you go to all the individual towns, they'll have like, uh, development, you know, departments where you can go and actually read like a white paper on what's going on in that town and just reading those in depth, you know, I, like the property I bought in, in Elkhart, uh, like in, in Indiana, essentially, uh, that town exploded because it was a manufacturing capital of RVs and, and trailers. Okay. So during COVID it kind of exploded and it's kind of almost tapped out now, but when we bought there, you know, I was reading those white papers and I actually ended up finding the individual who owned our property two prop like two before us and he bought it when it was like literally abandoned and homeless people were living in it and he totally rehabbed it and redid everything and so it's crazy you know what you can find you know just diving and go meet the mayor like we met the mayor of the town like we don't mess around i i literally will get on the ground and talk to the post get out talk to the postman or postwoman like learn about the town you know see what's going on there what's important so learning about that. And then also when you go into those towns, like I'm from Chicago, like I have, you know, I've got the Chicago accent, like, you know, (laughs) we work fast and aggressive and you got to slow down in those towns. Like it's very relationship based and you want to try to use everyone in that town. Like we're, you know, we want to continue to invest there. We want to continue to build that economy. We want to continue to give jobs back to that area. And you need to thoroughly ingrain that like in your heart, like you need to go in with that mentality. If you're just going in to try to, everyone's trying to make a buck, but like it needs to be bigger than that. And like, you need to have that as a team when you're moving into markets. Can you talk, let's talk specifically on this, I guess it's the 16 unit deal. Um, And I think, I believe that's the one we're talking about right now, but can you dive into like, even if you want to give round numbers, like purchase price, um, how exactly how you found it, analyze the deals, what it cash flows for, just to give Pete, like paint the picture of this place for us. So let's just- yeah, hundred percent. So 
it was on it was for sale uh last year during covid uh we saw it on LoopNet, and it we essentially got it down to 532.5 okay as the purchase price the the owner was essentially looking to exit he lived in toronto he was a surgeon pretty much just writing it as a write-off we were wondering why it was on the market for a while um and we did some research on it right and there was two fa- there was two factors with it one it was out of that 150 mile radius of Chicago. So people probably weren't searching that far. And two, we looked up, okay, are there, you know, are there sex offenders in the area? There was a couple in our building. And the reason was the person who was doing the property management used to work at a, like pretty much a halfway house up the street and brought some of them there. And I was like, what are we to do? So our property manager was like, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is our game plan. This is how we're going to get them. You know, we're going to slowly transition them out of the property. And we've stuck to that game plan and we've gotten them out of the property. And so people were scared of that. And then also we looked at, essentially we looked at the P&L and we saw that the owner was paying like $22,000 in, in utilities. I was like, why is he paying all these utilities? Cause he didn't want it, He didn't want them to leave. He wanted to use this like a halfway house, keep the people there. Okay. So we realized, okay, if we rehab these, these prop, this property one by one slowly, but surely we can essentially get all these utilities into the individual's names. We can uh, get a better tenant, okay? And we can also, we found out we can charge them for water as well. So literally all utilities paid for and we will have better tenants. So one by one, we've been doing that and we're on our seventh unit. And this is the first month since we bought in April that it's 100% occupied. And this month we cash flowed $4,700. We think we can get up to about 5,500 to 6,000 a month, which is insane. And our mortgage is 2,900. And if you break out the taxes, it's about 32 bucks per unit. So each one right now, if I'm looking at my chart, is cash flowing about the lowest, like is the newer ones are all cash flowing above 400 a month. For those listening, Minus, just yeah. to give, sorry, not to cut you off here, but just to, to put this out there, the average, um, expenses in the U S for, for a couple is about 60,000 a year, or maybe it's, maybe it's one person, but 60,000, 60,000 bucks. That's uh five grand a month in expenses. You're covering that with one deal right here. And you could technically be fin- financially free. Everything else is icing on the cake. If you're living within that $60,000 bubble, which is, it's funny because that's my number. I'm like, okay, I spend about $60,000 a year. So if I can get, if I can save up and get enough properties to pay that all those expenses, I'm I'm cool. I can do whatever yeah. I want to make me happy. So hearing you do this in one deal for five hundred twenty-five thousand, obviously there's going to be work along the way. It's just incredible to hear because there's people that'll grind out property after property after property where you can do it in one, and it's just exciting to hear that. Hundred percent. So like I did invest with a partner. So my partner Carl, who's like he he was the one that found this. Like he was the one that was pushing me. Like. I was pretty scared. Like I was like this, there's a lot going on with this property. Can we take this on as our first property? He did a flip before he owned a two flags. He's, he's my brother-in-law and my, like my mentor as well. And you know, he was the one that showed me the juice pot. Like he's the one that yeah. I told him. Yes, shout out, I, what's his name? Carl. Shout yeah. out Carl. Let's go baby. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so Carl's super jealous. He's like, man, juicers, let's go. So <laughs> That's awesome. uh, yeah, I surprised him today. I FaceTimed and told him, but like, man, like, you know, also having partners that you can rely on and like, you know, we know we're going to ride or die and we have the same strategy long-term. Like we want to hold this and like really build a big portfolio possibly for our kids one day. Like that's huge. 
you know what I mean? And then everything else will follow. And then, like I said, trial, trial and error, like, you know, going in, what do we do here? What do we do there? And just like being able to lean on each other and do research. So pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way about, about Rye. When we talk about our partnership, it's like when you know you have someone that's got your back in any scenario, you know that whatever you get into, it's going to work itself out because it's, it's, you have, you're like-minded and you can kind of move forward together. What I want to note here, Jared, is that you have solved a problem for somebody else that majority of the people that are looking at real estate investment deals would run away from and they'd be scared of. And that is, Probably the reason why you were able to capitalize on this deal like this is because you get paid for, I didn't make this up. This is said everywhere, right? But you get paid for the, the, in, in relation to the problems that you solve, right? Sweat, so sweat equity, pay- sweat equity. Exactly. And you have a place here that, you know, you have sex offenders in it. If I personally, we would consider ourselves rookie, maybe we're just getting out of the rookie stage investors, right? I feel like I I can't anoint myself non-rookie yet, but not novice yet. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Like, so but we're saying I would, we would probably look at a deal as like, oh, there's sex offenders in this building. Maybe if we didn't have the right team in place, it would be hard to, to get these people out of there and to make this deal that is potentially a decent deal for whoever this guy's in Toronto, but going to be a great deal for you because you're able 100%. to rehab it. So plus, like, like Indiana, we go back to if this was Chicago, you wouldn't be able to evict. You know, you, you wouldn't be. It's just not possible. They could squat and you can't move them out if they if they did try to not move. You know. Um, but also, you know, you need to look at the areas too. Like when we first bought, when we went back like three, four months ago, there was this new Starbucks that just popped up. I was like, holy cow. And they had like a new aquatic center and a riverfront and like all this stuff. And ever, my friends were like, you're investing in a building with like, you know, people with like those issues. Like, I'm like, Hey, they're, they're just people. They made a mistake in life. Like they, we'd love to find them another place, but not in our building. Right. There's right. plenty of other areas that, that they can move to. And that's it. It probably took doing your research and talking with the property manager. I'm guessing that it just that helped you guys push this deal forward and get through. Like uh, maybe even use their network out there, right? And like have all these other resources. Can you talk to that and the importance of having hiring a great property manager? And also, I know it seems like you guys acquired one, so maybe you kept the same one or did you hire a new one? Can you talk about just the benefits? Yeah, I mean our property managers, everything, cause they have a construction arm too, you know? So, I mean, they are fully on board with what we're trying to do, how we're trying to scale, um, you know, leaning on them to really direct and, and strategize with us, I think is so important. Also learning about, you know, how did they, what, what, what type, if they use, you know, rent ready or app bully or whatever it may be, but we're going to go rent we definitely ready, use rent ready. We're going to yeah. use rent ready. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> rent ready. Right. So like essentially you need to see how, how they run their business as well. Um, with them, we, they even told us, they're like, Hey, if you need any capital, like we're, to, to do any of these renovations, we'll float the money, zero interest, just pay us back. And that's it. Just pay us back. And like, they see the vision and we're on board together. Right. So um, finding good property managers, having a standard op- we send them, we set, we now have a check sheet. We send to property managers in other markets. We have them fill it out. First, first of all, if they fill it out, it shows they're serious first step, right? Second step is reading through that information and then being able to make the decision on who you're going to use as a property manager. I think someone else on the show said, you know, they, I think it was, I don't know who it was, but they said they, you know, they need 10 plus property managers in certain towns. Some of these towns only have like three or four. So it's just what it is, you know? Right. 
So that's, that's really powerful. What you just said there kind of about the relationship here. Most people look at property managers as just a means to managing their property, right? Like that's just what they do, but they don't realize that by going to property managers and talking to them and networking with them, they know every single in and out of the business that they, that they help investors build. So the fact that you're looking at a property manager, not only are they, are they a property manager to you, but they're also like, a sort of a, 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 they're lending to you in a way and they're finding you the right contractors and they're probably helping you scale your business more because guess what? If you, they do a great job for you, you're going to use them on all these other deals and it's going to help scale make more their money. business. And exactly. Make more money. So that is a tip right there that we, I don't think we've talked about any episode. I'm going to let Rye go, but is that property managers, you just never know who you're going to meet by networking in the real estate business in, in general. Well, you found you also, it seems like you found a private money lender right there. Like you just said a 0% interest on, you know, if you ever need any side capital, I know you have a, a 14 unit under contract. You're in a duplex right now, you're house hacking it. And then you have a 16, right? Um, have you used private money in a deal yet? Or if, if not in your real estate business, have you experienced working with any private money or hard money lenders? Like what are you seeing in the market these days for people that are not using their own money and getting into deals? Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely people that want to lend money, um, but essentially, like I have never worked with hard money. I haven't, but there's definitely people that want to invest with me and see what they're doing. But at the end of the day, like if you want to invest in the markets that I have, what I have built so far or means something. So even though you're going to be a third partner, I may not give you as much equity because I provide that value, right? But one of the biggest things that I everyone out there needs to know is even if you're trying to buy a duplex or whatever it may be like this duplex, for example, I, I used it's called uh, highly recommend this website, usbanklocations.com. I called 75 banks to find the loan for this building. 75. Oh. I literally just, I randomly just found the Excel sheet. Like while I was looking through my G drive today. Okay. Like if you want to, if you want it, go get it. You can figure out how to get the funding. Like this property, everyone was like, you need to put 15% down. You need to put 15% down. Like, I don't want, I, I don't get why I need to put 15% down. I have great credit. I found this specific loan. I found the specific person that would do this loan. And it's been an awesome loan. And uh, that's how I got in this business. I mean, I got in this building, you know? So 75 you banks, it. 75 banks. I just want to highlight that. Like people are giving up after three, right? And that that's just, or they think it can't be done because they haven't called enough people. So I love that. That's interesting, actually. I don't want to like skip over that. Like we, you know, we use a, a mortgage lender, a broker, I guess it is, and like they shop the loans around. And and I, you are basically telling me you didn't have to put fifteen percent down on this on this because you had great credit. You got even less. This was a seven hundred thousand dollar fully rehab two two flat. I knew that if I rented out both units, it would still cash flow. So I was like, even with with like seven percent down. So I was like, I don't understand why I need to put 15% down. This is ridiculous. So I called one lender. He said he didn't know about, like he started talking about HELOCs, called this other lender. And he's like, there's this loan that essentially through, it's called Associated Bank. If you invest in lower moderate income track areas, which this is moderate, we will lend up to you $643,000. Everything after that's on you. Okay. You need to take like a 20 minute little quick class. You need to make sure the other units rented out, which was easy to do because I'm a broker, right? And then from there, boom, you got it. What's crazy is I called the original lender, like one of someone that I thought I knew in the industry. He's like, oh, I have that loan. I have, I have, what? Why didn't you present that to me? 
You know what I mean? Wow. So there's stuff like that. But what's crazy is if I wouldn't have called him the other lender, the other lender who's really good friends with the banker, the banker messed up and told him uh, it was 643 that they would go up to. And my, the original guy who didn't even tell me about this loan said it's, he's looking at the 2019 numbers. It's actually 646. So he's saving another three grand. So shout out that guy, but also not shout out that guy because he didn't tell me this loan even existed. Right. So wow. it's again, it's a grind. You got, Even if you're in the industry, you got to call. You got to call around you know, do your due diligence. So got it. Well, Jared, first of all, I know that we have kind of a hard stop here and then you have to go. I, we really appreciate you coming on. I think that this is, uh, in line for a part two of this interview. That's the way I see it just because there's so much more that I think we'd like to learn, but we really appreciate the time that you did provide for us. And I'm sure you're going to be at your hundred deal goal or hundred unit goal in before that, you know, before you turn 30, probably. <laughs> so we're not going to go into the core four in the last drop because we're going to have part two, but I, okay. if you can leave us with this, if you are a young aspiring investor, Jarrett, you've been in the real estate game for a little while. Now you're an investor, you're a realtor. You've seen how this market works and how the game works. How do you suggest someone get started today? If they're looking to become an investment property or uh, invest in real estate? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we've, we've kind of talked to, you guys have talked about it with other uh, individuals that are amazing on the show. I think going to get a mentor is the biggest thing you can do. Like go to score.org, go find a mentor, you know, jump on a monthly call with them, do whatever it takes to really dive in and learn from them and just start reading and taking in as much content as you can and just start really getting out there and studying because, you know, 90% of people aren't going to do it. Like they're not going to invest you know, cause they're scared or they're, they're honestly lazy and won't do the research. And then the other 5% will only probably act on it. So, you know, really when you don't overanalyze too, like after you know a property is the right deal and you've done your due diligence, you have your mentor and you have all your team in place, execute because the first offer is always the best offer. Go in and hold, hold on because it's free and awesome and you're going to love it. And maybe you win, maybe you lose, but you'll learn. And if you're young, like you can always recoup, recoup, like you, you can be like, you can get the money back in, in the future, you know? So um, that's the biggest word of advice I have. Amazing advice. Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate it. And um, go crush your consultation and we'll chat with you soon. Well, as you know, money never sleeps. Jared had to dip off to a buyer's consultation and, um, work on his real estate business. But with that, we wanted to give you an update on our end and talk about our renovation. We're about a couple of weeks from completion here and hoping to have a, rent a tenant in pretty soon, but just wanted to run through the numbers and, and talk about you know some highs and lows of the, the project so far. And so, Cor, can you dive in? I know you're down the property today. What, what's new on the home front? Yeah. So we, I think just for people that maybe don't know, haven't heard about the renovation that we're doing, essentially we bought a single family home for about $135,000. We're putting about $60,000 into it. We financed the 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 renovation. So we're all in for $195,000. The property is going to, we got a pre-appraisal for what, you know, for what it should appraise for after it should be around two, somewhere around two thirty, which is great. So we'll have some equity in the property, <clears throat> not an absolute home run, but it is a good deal. Uh, essentially we started the project in mid May. We're probably about, like you said, two thirds, maybe 75% of the way through, uh, we have done, all of the upstairs is complete. The floors, the paint, the drywalls in, uh, we have redone the basement. 
Um, and then we're kind of working our way downstairs to floors, paint, drywall, and have some structural work. We did the roof. We did a lot. Um, but right now, essentially, the entire upstairs is done. The downstairs is drywalled. And we are looking to have potentially a renter in there somewhere between $2,100 and $2,500 a month for a four-bed, one-and-a-half bath in the area that we're in. And our mortgage is <clears throat> roughly $1,400 or $1,500. So, you know, depending upon where we fall there, we should be cash flowing somewhere between 300, $300 dollars and $500 a month after all expenses. So we feel really good about it. Uh, it's taking a little bit longer than we thought. And just in terms of, actually, it's not taking that much longer, but it's just taking- The whole process has been a little bit gr grueling in the sense of like, we started talking about this in March. Mm -hmm. It's now July. It's like, yeah. all right, we're kind of ready to be done. Single family home. Yeah, exactly. Which is, it's just funny because our, our previous deal that we did in, in September is a duplex and it was- we didn't have to do anything to it until, until the tenants were already in there. I mean, we had to put, we, one tenant was in, we had to put another tenant in, but the process is, was quick. We had to put some paint on the walls, got someone in there and then it was done. Now we're demoing a basement, repouring concrete, fixing the windows. Cause water's leaking in redoing the roof. It was like every, every room had something to be done. And it was just going from a small scale, like touch up to a big renovation, not just cosmetic. It's going to feel really good once this is done. And one of the things that people have to realize when they're doing a renovation and getting a renovation loan, like the type that we got is that because they're out there and it's, it's, it's very possible to do is that you have to understand truly how long things take. And we have a great team, but our one contractor said, this is probably going to be 90 days. We're saying, Hmm, you know, do you think, can we get, can we get it to 60? We're probably going to be somewhere like 75 days, but you have to realize you have to be able to have these reserves in place. You have to be able to float. We've had, like we've had a mortgage payment that was due July 1st, paid July 1st, and we don't have renters in right now. So you have to have this business that's able to sustain uh, hits, to your bank account, whether that's a change order for the roof because the wood went up in price. And we did, we thought we were just going to have to put shingles on, but we actually had to replace plywood and we had to front, you know, a couple thousand dollars there. And so I think the sustainability factor of like just keeping the, the, your eye on the end goal and, and, and realizing that in two months, none of the stuff that we're dealing with right now is going to really matter because we're going to have a renter in there for $2,300 and we're going to make in $400 a month in cash flow. And it's everything in the house is essentially going to be fixed. Yeah. We definitely added some stress to ourselves because we, our GC that we hired isn't someone that essentially can float the whole deal and, and fund every project himself up front and has the whole team in place. Like we put the team in place and, and gave him the subcontractors that we wanted him to use. But with that, that makes us in the weeds the whole time. And we have to manage each project. And the thing is like, we've never done this. So we're learning the ins and outs of a house, rewiring certain things, the yep, appropriate electric. paint to touch up. And like, we're getting recommendations, but it's, it's one of those things where we'll look back and we'll thank ourselves for doing it because now we'll know how to run a show when everybody, you know, if someone's not doing it appropriately, but it also gives me hope for future renovations when we do have uh, a, a GC in there that's that's full body, right? That can do everything. It's like the stress is off of us. I just want to say like right now we're running the podcast, which is a side business. We have our W2 jobs and we have a real estate business with renters. Plus we're doing a renovation. Like Jared talked about this. Like if you really want something, you're, you're going to do it. Like we are stretched so bare bone thin, but we're still doing with smiles on our face most of the day. No, we are. I think that's a great point, bro. The, the thing is, is that what we're doing right now is learning what our tolerance level is for the, the next project. We realize that maybe it's not even that we got in over our head. It's just more so that we're like, oh, I don't really want to deal with this aspect next time. 
we're not afraid of failure. We're not afraid of going in and having some bumps and bruises along the way because we're certainly catching them. But just the fact that we're prepared mentally, physically, and you know our bank accounts are prepared for it, we're able to go through this process and say, okay, next time we're not going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to hire the GC to do everything. And we're going to make sure that we buffer more in our contingency. We're going to make sure that we do the different types of rehab. And in that, we're also always looking for deals. And in the fact that we're always looking for deals, we saw a deal that came up on the market in a neighborhood that we have our best cash flowing deal. And because we're always looking, you and I looked at each other, we're like, we'll figure out the money. Like we got to go make an offer. So we just made an offer on a property that is five doors down from our, our best cash flowing property. And we realized that we're not going to have to put this much, that much money into this, into it up front. You know, we haven't seen the inside yet. So it could Let, be a different story. Let's bring it to the real world. And like what actually happened, we weren't sitting together. You got the listing sent to you from our realtor who hooked us up with the first property. That's mm-hmm. our best cash flow deal. I'm down the shore. You call me. It's like, it was like nine 30 at night. You got, you got the email got sent to me. I go, dude, we need to make an offer right now. You go, yeah, uh, you sure? I'm like, dude, we got We got to call we kind of call Jeff, whatever. And he's like, right now it's nine 30. Like, dude, I don't care. We have to. And maybe yeah, I mean, you had a little liquid courage in you too, but, <laughs> but it was the, what I remembered was our, if you haven't listened to it, listen to the previous episode from this for, uh, with Michael Zuber, he talked about his buy box and Corey and I sat down and we really defined, we're like, Hey, listen, like this original deal that we had, it fits our neighborhood criteria. It fits the cash flow that we're looking for monthly. And it, it fits the, like the stressor levels built into our buy box. There's not much work. We can do a short renovation. We have the team already in this area and it's a no brainer. The only thing we had to figure out was like, how the hell are we going to pay for this thing? At which we realize when you do this and you get into, you know, that'll be uh, what nine or 10 units for us. If we, if we were able to close on this property and what you, what you do after you get past three, four five units is you realize like the money's out there, you can find the money you have 60 days to close. So yeah, it's not like we're saying that we're, we're, we have nothing to show for it. It's just that we're like, okay, we know that we have the resources to be able to find the money and be creative. Jared said it in the episode today, we just learned about a new, a new type of loan that we've never heard about just from talking to people about our business and learning what they did to scale. Jared, Jared was saying that his first deal, maybe his second deal was 16 units. Okay. We never even thought about going to 16 units and we're about to be at 10. That was his first. That was first, that? Right. which is crazy for you. But also you talk about creative funding right now. And I, I, we always ask the question about private money lending because we want to get a feel for how other investors are funding their properties. And I've done a ton of research over the last, you know, a couple of weeks here. And especially now with this deal, but like there are options to, um, to, if you have a Roth IRA, if you have a SEP IRA or SEP IRA, I forgot how I said, or a 401k that you've been saving and saving and saving. And you can take a loan against that and pay yourself back. It actually Absolutely. pays you back. And the interest, this is, I'm talking about a 401k loan that you can draw from. Which let's, is what we might have to do, right? For one of the, for this property. For this property, potentially. potentially. Yeah. So let's just say hypothetically, this is just a learning, a teaching moment here. Let's just say you have $100,000 in that, in that 401k. And the, the traditional rule is you can draw up to half of that, half of the funds that you have in there or $50,000. That's what they cap you at. And they give you a, at least Fidelity is what they're doing right now is you can get a 4%, 4 4.5% interest rate for 60 months, which is five years. Five years. So essentially you can stretch that out and it's basically two payments of 450 bucks every two weeks, which is a lot. But if you have a partner going in on it and that's like your, that's 50, you're taking $50,000. Say you only need 10 or, or 20, but this deal is going to cash flow you 800 to a thousand per month. You'll pay it back just, in a year or whatever it and there's is. There's no 
penalty for paying it back early. Yep. So it's just a different way. It's like, Hey, your money's just sitting there anyways. And it's obviously compounding once you get up into the, the hundreds of thousands, but to that's another creative way. It's like, if you want it bad enough and you want to build these properties, we've heard people say it, what's the biggest mistake you've made? Not buying more and not buying sooner. So absolutely, bro. And the thing about that, that you mentioned is I, I'm not advocating for people to not invest in a 401k. I think it, you absolutely should invest in a 401k, but I talk to bigger investors and they're like 401k, like, I don't, what do I need a 401k? Like I have my real estate's my 401k. So we are of the mindset that's like, if you have the money there and it can be better invested to pay yourself seven or $800 a month in cash flow now to help you escape the rat race or help you achieve financial freedom, why are you waiting until you're 65 to be able to touch the money? And that's just the way that we think about it. We're not telling anyone advice to take money out of their 401k unless they understand the penalties and understand the research behind it. But we're saying that there is a way if you want to do it bad enough, the money is out there. You can find it as long as you understand how your personal finances work. The, the, the government picks winners and it's real estate, right? If you look at your, if there's two ways to draw off the 401k that you can do a, um, a loan or a withdrawal. A withdrawal is like, if you take it before 59 and a half, they charge you 10% plus income tax. Like the loan is you're against yourself. You're not, you're not paying any interest to, right. you're paying yourself back. You're Absolutely. just reinvesting the money. So it's very interesting. I've done some research, not saying we're going to go this route, but it is an option for us and people listening. If you have a fat 401k or an IRA, like, look this stuff up. You yeah. might be thinking this is untouchable and, and it's not. It's definitely not. So we thought we would give you a little update on our portfolio, a little update on our renovation. If anybody has any questions about what we're doing with our renovation or how we're going about it or how, just like really any questions in general. Do you want our paint colors, our fixtures? Yeah. <laughs> we'll let you know. Yeah. We're, we're going to post all, everything on our Instagram. We'll post the numbers of the deal once we get it rented out on our Instagram too so people understand how it works. And um I will say this, we found it through a good relationship with a, a title company and a, a lawyer. So I'm telling you, you never know with who you're talking to, who you're going to meet in this real estate game. I would say in one last tidbit of advice is like, if you have a W2 job or nine to five, where you have a, a book of clients, say you're in like a, a sales role or a retention role, just something where you have a big book of business research, outsource, and use all these people as resources for you because you never know something that you've done in your past that has impacted someone positively. They want to help you out. You realize the, the world is kind of just like a people business. I know it sounds kind of broad to say Especially that. if you're successful and you've done it. You want to see other people succeed. If you're a good person and people want to give back to you, right? Like if you've done something to positive, positively impact someone else's life. So um, just don't sleep on your network. That, that That's a just words of wisdom there from, from your boy. Yeah. So we talked about a lot here. I hope you guys enjoyed Jarrett's episode. He, we're going to bring him on. This was a part one. We're going to definitely bring him on for a part two based on in the essence of your, or what happened with timing there. He's got a wealth of knowledge. He's 28 years old. Like he's got double the amount of units Ryan and I have. I, we're not ashamed to talk about anybody at any age who's crushing it. And we're definitely going to bring him back. So we're excited for that. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Thank you.